You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Three Mall. Welcome into another edition of Three Maw. I am John Kurtz, joined as always by Derek Young from K-State Online, Cole Manbeck, former beat writer for the Manhattan Mercury. And I tell you what, guys, if not, everybody is here. We will get the show going today. Uh, so welcome in. As always, it's brought to you by our friends at Holiday Distillery. They've got the 360 vodka. They've got the Ben Holiday bottled in Von Bourbon. And I tell you what, the Big 12 office is... Uh, forcing me to want to hit that and i haven't had a drink in like three years so um that's where we're at today after this tiebreaker i almost just cursed i don't think i need to set the tone by cursing this early in the episode just get your 360 vodka and your ben holiday bottled in bond bourbon let's all have some fun people and enjoy enjoy what will hopefully be a win for a 15th straight year over kansas coming up on saturday holiday distillery great k-state folks who support us so support them uh, if you have been following along with us on social media or you are a Patreon subscriber already, you've probably already heard a little bit from uh, D.Y. and I in the last 24 hours because while Cole is in Washington, D.C., D.Y. and I snuck on to do a little basketball pod. We also gave you what at the time was the latest on this tiebreaker situation and what was happening with Gene Taylor and K-State going into uh, said meeting. So, I, you know, maybe, Derek, because I, I feel like there is a lot of interest with it here, uh, why don't you just start by giving us what you know? I think you, we all have little bits and pieces of information. I can certainly add uh, my piece of it here too. But what what would you say needs to be said about the fact that the Big 12 wrote out this sentence if you caught the if not comma reference there at the beginning of the episode? They wrote out this sentence that basically said if not all the tied teams in a three-way tie have played each other, you go to step two, which would be best record against next common opponent. What it meant was if all the favorites won out, K-State, Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma would be in a three-way tie for second in the Big 12, and K-State, as the rule was written, would be in the Big 12 championship game. The Big 12 has come out and said we had to clarify this rule when what they did was outright change the rule, which should have taken a vote. Uh, there was a call with ADs only after the Big 12 had already leaked that they were going to say Oklahoma State would be in the championship game through Brett McMurphy and other reporters. They finally then have the courtesy to talk to the ADs, and it sounds like Gene Taylor tried to make his case, but didn't get uh, didn't get a ton of support there. Can I just I'll just say in a couple of sentences, the Big Twelve is trying to correct a mistake that they made and that they knowingly made, and is going back in you know hindsight and making Oklahoma State the winner of this tiebreaker, which is probably what it should be in the first place. But they made a mistake in the way they writ- wrote the rule, or at least interpreted it, or you know whatever, revealed the rule, which was going to allow Kansas State to do it. But knowingly making that mistake, that they're basically refusing all culpability here, and I think that's the biggest problem. They're being very disingenuous. You've called it gaslighting. I called it outright lying. They're like refusing blame in all of this and basically said, no, this is what it said the entire time. Well, that's bullshit, to be quite honest. It's not what it said the entire time. Because the only way that it intended or said what it said they they claimed to have said the entire time was if you removed the same the second sentence in the initial verbiage you added on that sentence for a purpose so this is bullshit 
They're trying to make people think that they've met something all along when really they should be taking ownership of the mistake, um, accountability, culpability here, and they're refusing to do so. Um, it's a really a failure in leadership the way that they've approached it. Like, it would be one thing if they said, we screwed up the way we wrote this. We're trying to redeem ourselves by correcting it now, even in hindsight, even in the middle of the season, which might not be a great idea anyway. We're doing it because we messed up. They're not. They're saying everyone else, you know, screwed up the way that they interpreted the role. And that's just a bullshit way of handling it. Well, and not only that, yeah, Barry yeah, Trammell I Barry, Barry Trammell asked on Saturday, yeah. hey, I'm interpreting this as K-State would win the tiebreaker, and the Big 12 told him right away, yes, you are correct, only to come back around two days later and say, hey, we actually started talking about this because you reached out, and we decided Oklahoma State actually would be the team that goes through. So the, the Big yeah. 12 even acknowledged at one point that the way it was written would put K-State in there, and then they decided, wait, hey, actually, that doesn't make a ton of sense. So again... If that's the whole thought process and you want to put it to a vote of ADs and it sounds like most of the ADs would have been okay with that and it probably was something that would have passed, then do it that way. Say you screwed up and you're going to change it here. I still don't love the idea of changing something so consequential with two weeks left in the season, but at least then you could understand like, hey, we made a mistake. We're owning up to it. There's been zero of that from the Big 12. It's very, it's very Cleavcovian, you know, very George Cleavcov-esque here from the Big 12 with how they've operated with it. And it's just... It's just maddening. I mean, I'll tell you, I reached out with an email and directly said, like, hey, explain this sentence, this if not sentence. Explain to me what this means. And you said all this was agreed upon at the beginning of the year. If that is true, did you have a different sheet, different verbiage that everybody agreed to and it was just messed up on the website? I've given the Big 12 the opportunity. Of course, they have not responded to that. So, I mean, you know, it's just... It's maddening, yeah. and and look, you got to win the games, and I hope this does it. Well, I'm sure you'll get a thrown back in our face if if K State loses the game this weekend. You got to go win the game, but it's this has just been incredibly disappointing for the Big Twelve. One, the fans would still be pissed off no matter what, but two, it would be, it would feel like a lot. There would be a bit of a feeling of relief if the Big Twelve wasn't being so naive in, in the way that they were handling it. It's like they think that they're dealing with toddlers here. Like, uh, do you think we never passed a high school English class? Like, don't tell us this is the way the, the rule was written the entire time when it absolutely was not. Don't treat us like stupid idiots. Like, it, admit that you screwed up. It's not that difficult. Everyone in the world knows that you did. Even Oklahoma State fans know that you did, even though you are ruling now in favor of them. Like, you're basically just saying everyone else is dumb as hell and we had it right the entire time while changing it. It's it's classless, it's unprofessional, and really it's not a good look on the leadership of the league in general. Cole, go ahead. Weigh in, guys. Yes, I'm yeah. having it for you. Okay. Yeah, especially, to be honest, and, and I'll set the t- table here for you both. I know Kurt already has a little bit, but you guys are in careers where it very yep. much is conducive to this type of situation. We are, we are bothered the most. I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah. So here, you know, as a PR professional, I have this to say, Brett, your Mark and the big 12. Okay. So, you know, it's a, it's a real lack of leadership here as a communications person. It's an incredibly poor job. And what, what happens here guys, when, 
you aren't transparent and start to tell the truth. And I tweeted this earlier. When you don't tell the truth and you leak out repeatedly the same lie that is so obvious that it's a lie because we had the language right there and we clearly see the change. And while the Big 12 is using a mouthpiece and Brett McMurphy, who's apparently no longer going to act like a true journalist, and not even going to look up what the rule looked like. And by the way, an Oklahoma State grad. Okay, there you go. And, uh, you know, so he's a mouthpiece for the Big 12 right now. You're not going to be out at the forefront as a leader, as a conference. You don't have anyone in leadership stepping up and making a statement. You're not offering any sort of clarification or explanation to what you did other than hiding behind a leak to a reporter. With It's a lie. It's a blatant lie. And what happens is when you don't tell the truth in this situation, you don't get out in front of it, it creates a perception that you don't actually believe what you did was right. Because if you don't come out and acknowledge it and try to justify it with transparency and truth, it creates the perception that what you did was wrong and you do not want to face the facts or give any sort of explanation to it. And as a result, the Big 12 continues to hide. They're not being truthful about it. And they're treating everybody like they're a bunch of idiots right now. I thought we had solved the leadership problem in this conference with Brett Yormark. Clearly, we still have some holes here. Brett Yormark cannot allow this to happen. He has under his watch. I don't know who was in charge, but he has the ultimate say in this decision-making. And my issue isn't the the head-to-head thing. Like, I agree with DY, and I think you're on the same page, John. Like, if I was a K-State fan and we had won those two matchups head-to-head, I would want the tiebreaker to be in favor of K-State, and that would be what made sense. But the rule was put in place. Rules are there for a reason. It's not the responsibility. K-State shouldn't have to take the hit or other schools shouldn't have to take the hit because there was an oversight in your process. It is an awful precedent to set to change the rules with two weeks to go in the season. You want to be a league that sets that precedent that you can just change a rule and then hide behind it and lie about it and not tell the truth? It bothers me. That's a real lack of leadership. And the fact that other athletic directors didn't step forward in more force about that, it's not even about like, okay, I'm Houston. I'm UCF. I have no shot at getting to the Big 12 championship this season. So what what do I care? If I'm another athletic director of another school, regardless of what my win-loss record is this year or my chances to get the Big 12 championship, I don't want that precedent being set. And so I would have stood ground and kept the rules in place. It would have sucked for Oklahoma State. But, you know, at the very least, tell the truth, guys. Tell the truth. Especially when you're kind of being already at the same time accused of conspiratorial stuff against Texas and Oklahoma to begin with. Like now it seemed that transparency is more important than ever to kind of avoid those types of things. Not that this would suggest that that's going on because nothing really changes for Oklahoma and Texas with this. Oklahoma still needs an Oklahoma state loss, but like why invite that? Like just any potential of that. I don't, but do, I don't do you DY if the beneficiary of this was Texas or Oklahoma? If they were the beneficiary, think of the outcry there would be by all the league schools about this change. If it was the if it was one of those two that directly benefited them, I mean, th- there would be a huge outcry. I mean, it is what it is, I, and that the, the frustrating part to me is, you know, and I, I'll be honest. I mean, I'm tweet, I'm fighting too many people on Twitter about it because you just you get people that come in like. Well, it's just yeah. You you think they have an anti K State bias? Like, why did why would anybody care about K State this much? And it's like, no, you guys are missing the point. Like, yes, we're pissed about it because we're K State fans, but like, 
it's not we're not upset about k-state not getting in we're upset about the process being just and and nobody else cares because to them it's like it's just shrug your shoulders like oh whatever oklahoma state probably deserve to get in who cares like no nobody else sees the the slippery slope argument here or any of the problems because it's not directly affecting them and so you just get it and, and so honestly like i hate to say it guys like the big 12 is kind of right i mean yes it's a big deal a uh, kind of on oklahoma twitter certainly on k-state twitter but outside of that, and I mean, you know, I mean, we know K State in general is not happy about this. But outside of that, they're not they're not losing anything with it. They're they're going to get away with it and be fine. And that's the problem is that no nobody else cared. Like this is probably a correct calculation on their part, honestly, if they just didn't want to have to admit any sort of actual blame here because everyone will forget about it except us. So we're just going to you know cry and scream about it here on our podcast. Like that's that's what sucks. That's the ultimate reality. I would agree, but I would still say it's an example of a lack of leadership. Um, and, and it does rub me the wrong way that no one else in that room really stepped up either. It sounds like Oklahoma was really the only one that was really willing to throw some weight behind Gene Taylor's plea during <laughs> that meeting. But it's still a, an example to me of a lack of leadership. We've already spent a lot of time on it, so I know we want to get off of it at some point. But I also want to make this clear. Like, I'm not like trying to smack Oklahoma State around either. And and I know you guys aren't either. And I think most of the folks from the Kansas State contingent that have discussed this, you know, in addition to us, would agree with us in saying that nobody really has a problem with Oklahoma State winning this tiebreaker. It's the way that the conference handled this. Yes, totally agree. Well, guys, you know who would never do us wrong? You know who always has great leadership, never has a lack of leadership at all. No problems with that. Also knows how to use a goddamn comma. You know who knows how to use a comma? Home Field Apparel. Guarantee it. Go to their website. I bet Home Field Apparel, you will find appropriate comma usage all across the board. No problems there at all. And uh, it's because they're the best, guys. They've got all the great K-State gear that you could ever want. Uh, 40 plus items of K-State gear on the site. Retro logos. It all looks awesome. Uh, I am very stoked for it, and I believe I believe you're going to have a pretty good uh, sale coming up here. They usually do for uh, for Black Friday. Dy today is wearing North Dakota State, flashing some uh, some Bison apparel. It's it's still Chris Climate Week at Northern Iowa on the last show. It's still Chris Climate Week. Love that, love that. Homer Dy supporting supporting Clyde Dog once again. We uh, we gotta love that. You can get a hundred plus other schools on there, as evidenced by that that they have North Dakota State. At homefieldapparel.com. And the best part, you can get 15% off your first order if you use promo code 3MON23. Don't ever say we didn't do anything for you, people. 3MON23 at homefieldapparel.com. Make sure you find those correctly utilized commas and the tremendous leadership of everybody at Homefield Apparel. Thank you uh, for your support and your service, Homefield Apparel. We're back in just a moment. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, 
the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, uh, headline number one. Cole, here's what we might do. There's going to be some questions about Kansas or some headlines about Kansas here. We might have to blend your your Kansas preview in with the headlines just to uh, make this in a timely manner. So feel free to expand a little bit on some of these. But headline number one, I mean, the I think the biggest headline around this game, there's no real escaping it. It is what is the Kansas quarterback situation going to be? And I will give Lance Leipold and company this. Their gamesmanship has been on point so far because Leipold at his press conference on Monday sounded fairly optimistic about the odds of Jason Bean playing, dealing with a head injury, potentially also a knee too. It sounds like mainly head injury being the issue here. Leipold sounded fairly optimistic on Monday. Then on Tuesday, he goes on 810 and said that Cole Ballard was, quote, probably the direction we're going to have to plan on at the moment. And then today, offensive coordinator Andy Kotelnicki had a, a press conference, his weekly presser, and he said that Jason Bean took a lot of reps at practice and seemed kind of bullish about the the idea of Jason Bean playing. So, look, I, that's pretty predictable. Honestly, it's what I would do too if I were in their shoes, but who knows right now. I, I'm operating under the assumption that Jason Bean probably will play. If it's not Jason Bean, obviously it's a freshman and Cole Ballard, a former walk-on. He went 9 of 20, passing for 124 yards last week against Texas Tech. Um. Yeah. No. Uh. It's uh. It changes things for that offense. Jason Bean is is a dynamic quarterback. I mean, he can really run. He's really fast. He's maybe the fastest player on KU's team, and he's been really good for them. Really over the last two years, uh, one of the better backup quarterbacks in the country. And you know, has you look at the numbers between Jalen Daniels and him when they were on the field. We argued this point last year. They weren't all that dissimilar as an offense when Jason Bean was on the field and. 
He's averaging 9.3 yards per pass. Uh, they're doing a nice job with the scheme. Obviously, we know that KU offense is really good, and one of the things that really challenges you with that case at KU offense, and we'll get into a little bit more in a, a more brief offense-defense preview, but they really can get you with the deep ball, a lot of explosive plays, and that's really based off the scheme. And if they have a Jason Bean, that scheme is obviously better because he's a mobile quarterback. Now, Cole Ballard can move around, but Jason Bean's super fast and you know threatens you at a different level with his speed, and, and their scheme is, is much more difficult to defend, obviously, if he's on the field. He's a six-year guy at quarterback versus a freshman walk-on. So I wouldn't expect anything less from what KU's doing in terms of, you know, trying to play at coy and create confusion there and make K-State create, you know, prepare for multiple quarterbacks. But uh, I would suspect K-State is preparing for Jason Bean to be the quarterback on Saturday. Like how how big of a drop-off? I mean, is this, like how how big, how would you quantify how much different the, the threat of Kansas is? Derek, I guess we'll, we'll go to DY on that if it's if it's Jason Bean versus Cole Ballard. I view it as drastic just because Jason Bean is both dynamic with his legs, for sure, one of the fastest players on the KU team, but has a, a good enough arm to where he's going to threaten teams and, and can be dangerous in that way as well. There's a reason why they're sitting here 7-3, and three, even though Jalen Daniels has barely played. And Jason Bean deserves a lot of credit for that. Now, at the end of games, he's a little bit of a problem um, still, and I, I'm a little back away from that. Um, his clutch gene is like the opposite of what you want, right? He's got the the non-clutch gene, so to speak, but at the end of the day, um, I think what, what I saw with my eyes, there's a drastic difference between him and Cole Ballard. But I will say I talked to a source from Kansas State today that said that they flipped on the tape this week a little bit. I've been watching Cole Ballard, and they're actually impressed with what they've seen and don't view him as a drastic step down. So, um, and I don't think that's just like, and obviously that was all like not, not with a microphone in their, their face. Right. So they did, they weren't just giving me lip service. I think they, they think Cole Ballard is not your average walk-on. I think he's definitely better than what you would think of as your, your typical walk-on. I, I would agree with that, but I still, I think there's a pretty sizable gap. I mean, being, it raises the ceiling considerably uh, for for them, but no matter what, I mean, really, the bottom line to me is they'll they'll they've got a week to work on it. This time they were he he got thrown into the fire against Texas Tech. They hadn't built a game plan around him. If he truly is going to be the guy, they'll be able to scheme up some other things. I imagine that they would use a lot more Devin Neal than what they did against Texas Tech, which they they probably should have gone to Devin Neal more than they did. Anyway, uh, go ahead if you have one more thing. Yeah, in more games than one is what I would say in res- in regards to Devin Neal. Like, I know there's two games where he has 20 or more touches, I believe, at least in his last six games. Like, he should be getting 20 or more touches every game. That dude's a stud. He is a star, for sure. Uh, headline number two is, unfortunately, surrounding K-State injuries. Uh, I guess injuries slash suspensions. We'll start with the good. Uh, Khalid Duke is not going to have a suspension from the conference uh, for the the tussle that he got in with a Baylor offensive lineman. That is good news. But the bad news is we got confirmation from Chris Kleiman at the press conference on Tuesday. Not only will Jay Clifton be out for the Kansas game, he is out for the year. Uh, if you're keeping track at home, that is the third injury, season-ending injury in the K-State linebacking core this year. And it's, you know, thinking of the immediacy here where it definitely hurts to not have him for the rest of the year. We talked about it the other day. It sucks to think about him not potentially being ready for the start of the season next year. I mean, we'll see. And also having Asa Newsom, another 
young linebacker that you felt very optimistic about for next season dealing with a severe knee injury too. So expected, but pretty bad news, uh, D.Y. on that front. Yeah, you're fortunate that you already gave Austin remained a ton of reps this year. And Rex Van Wye starting to come along as well. So it's pretty amazing to think about it. Like, I want to look at this as a glass half full kind of thing. Jake Clifton was trending towards being the best linebacker in the room. Don't don't get me wrong. But glass half full, like, they have Austin Rain ready to step in. He's taking a lot of snaps this year, even, even as a true freshman. And then Rex Van Wye really came along too. Uh, and to be able to uh, withhold, sustain the burden of three season-ending injuries and still not feel like this is catastrophic is pretty emblematic of the program that Chris Kleiman has created. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge loss. There's no doubt about it. Jake Clifton was playing really good football and had manned the middle linebacker position. And, and the thing that concerns you about this game, guys, and we highlighted it a little bit earlier in the week, but Look, this is a KU offense that tricks your eyes a lot. They play with your eyes. There's a lot of misdirection. It's a great scheme. And when you're down to your third string middle linebacker, albeit Austin Romain has had a lot of experience this year, he's still a true freshman. And this is probably the more challenging or most challenging scheme he will go up against and how they they challenge you and, and your reads defensively to react quickly and not get tricked. You know, you look at this KU offense, they run the heck out of the football. Not five yards per carry. That's 18th in the country. You mentioned Devin Neal, 965 rushing yards on 155 carries. Look, he's averaging 6.2 yards per carry on the year, 10 touchdowns. He's a guy with almost 2,800 career rushing yards and 5.6 yards per carry in his career, 27 touchdowns. And then Daniel Hyshaw, a really good physical running back with 552 yards on the ground, 5.4 yards per carry for this KU football team. So, they're going to run the ball at you. In fact, they run it on 60% of their snaps, guys. That is uh, the highest. That I think that's like 15th, top 15 in the country in terms of total snaps, in terms of they run it. So 60% of their offensive plays come via the run. That's actually number 16 in the country and number two of the Big 12 behind West Virginia. So they're going to challenge you at the middle linebacker position in that running game. you got to be gap sound with how you're going about that. The other concern I have, and this is also falls on the safeties, right? But Mason Fairchild, a really good tight end. KU's really good at getting their tight ends and fullbacks open. Mason Fairchild, a six foot four senior, 35 receptions for 443 yards last season, six touchdowns. He's got 23 catches for 337 yards this season, nearly 15 yards per catch, almost 1,000 yards receiving in his career. The thing that concerns me with that, guys, is KU's really good at getting their tight ends and fullbacks open on seam routes over the middle. And one of the things they've done schematically this year is like a couple different times they moved their tackle and lined up their tight end as the left tackle and made him eligible and released him on routes. It tricked Oklahoma State multiple times in that game in Stillwater. So that that's just an example of some of the that's tricky a, things KU does. That's a tackle over scheme. Colin Klein did it one game this week, or not this week, but this year, I think on three or four different plays, it was pretty effective as well. What I will say with, with K-State and the way that they defend in a line is that you're not going to get the linebacker on the tight end a whole lot. Well, that's that's good news. I'll take that. Um, Cole, this is kind of branching off a little bit, but one thing I thought about that would be key for this game is, I mean, I feel like Kansas, especially if it's Bean, they're going to move the ball, but they, they have had some red zone struggles this year, correct? Like red zone offense for Kansas, BK State defense becomes pretty paramount. 
Yeah, so, I mean, if you look at K-State's defense, they've been tremendous in the red zone. They're only allowing a 37% touchdown rate in the red zone, 10 touchdowns on 27 red zone attempts for uh, K-State's defense. So they've been really good there. I think KU is uh, 25 touchdowns and 39 red zone attempts. So they've been okay, but they haven't been at the, you know, it's been more average, right? It's it's going to be a key part in this game. If K-State can stiffen up in the red zone like they've been able to do for much of this year and hold KU to a field goal, that's going to be a key part. And then, you know, when you look at, you know, KU's defense in the red zone, John, uh, KU's last in the country in red zone defense and allowing overall scores dead last. Their opponents have scored a touchdown or made a field goal on 40 of their 41 red zone possessions. Uh, they're allowing 26 touchdowns and 41 trips. That's 63%. And you just heard me talk about how good K-State's defense has been in the red zone. Well, K-State's offense has been tremendous in the red zone, too. So talking about KU's defensive struggles inside the 20, K-State's offense has converted 50 red zone trips into 40 touchdowns, which is a very impressive number. And then, Gerald Cole, and maybe you can speak to this or tell me I'm wrong, but from a points per drive, and I think yards per play as well standpoint, the KU defense has actually taken some small steps forward, and their offense maybe some small steps back. Yeah, no, you're right. It's uh, so their defense has improved when you look at like points per drive. And when you look at their offense, this was a, a little surprising to me. They're, they're averaging under 2.7 points per drive that ranks 33rd nationally. What's interesting about that DY is their offensive numbers overall, aside from efficiency and points per drive are all top 20. I mean, they're 13th nationally. Yeah, they're, they're 13th nationally offensively in Brian Freemouth's FEI ratings. They're 13th nationally in third down offense at 49. percent They're going to be going. Yeah, they're going to be going up against a K State defense that's 49 or, or is one of the best third down defenses in the country. Number three nationally at under 27 percent success rate on third downs. But they're top 20 in pass efficiency. Um, actually, at 28th in pass efficiency, but 8.9 yards per pass that ranks 17th in the country. The thing that concerns you with this KU offense, guys, is just under 15 yards per completion. That's eighth best in the country. They hit you with a lot of big plays. Yeah, they're explosive. But when the numbers are really great, but maybe the points per drive isn't, it tells you they're not finishing drives or they're they're bad on third down. Usually it's one of the one or the other. Yeah, and their defense, 2.48 points per drive, DY. That ranks 95th nationally. They were in the hundreds last year. I don't remember the exact number, but they're improving. I mean, they've got a better pass rush. They're getting after the quarterback. They have an eight point one percent. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's still not a great number, but they they have an eight point one percent sack rate, which is you know top twenty five in the country. And their yards per carry allowed, right? They they were five yards per carry last year, which ranked one hundred sixteenth in the country. They're at four and a half yards per carry allowed this year. That's eighty ninth in the country. So they've made improvement. Yeah, they're they're still far from great. But for what they've done this year, it's been good enough because, as John has noted before, all the turnovers that they're forcing and even scoring off. Well, that's the thing. I mean, like three of the four big, like it was what, BYU, they got two defensive touchdowns. Oklahoma, they get a defensive touchdown. Iowa State, they get a defensive touchdown. And those all wind up being one-score games. So that's that was basically what won them those games i mean that to me is why like the fact that k-state is taking care of the ball so much better right now is one of the most encouraging things heading into this game because you you cannot let that happen you cannot let them score with the defense yep yeah that kku is tied for number one in the country in defensive touchdowns with four and also the byu game i believe they had two defensive touchdowns that ended up being an 11 point game so 
it was a, a key part of that game as well. That's you, you got to take care of the football. You can't give that. The offense is good enough for KU. You can't be giving them defensive scores. The other thing I'll mention, because we already have hit on a lot of the offense defense stuff, right? Like the thing that worries you a little bit, I talk about the big play explosiveness. You look at a guy like Quentin Skinner, who's a six foot five, 195 pound junior receiver. He's 11th in the country in yards per catch at nearly 20 yards per reception. You look at Lawrence Arnold, a six foot three, 200 pound junior receiver. He leads the team with 33 receptions for 559 yards, 17 yards per catch. He averaged 16.3 yards per catch last year on 716 yards receiving. If you count for him, Mason Fairchild at tight end, Quentin Skinner, and then Luke Graham, who has over 1,500 yards receiving in his career on 116 receptions, their top three receivers in tight end have combined for 351 career receptions for over 5,000 yards and 14.3 yards per catch. Well, that's impressive. I think it's important to note that Luke Graham, Mason Fairchild, may be as questionable as Jason Bean as well. Yeah, well, look, I've got one more. I've got one more headline to get to. I like this kind of hybrid uh, podcast that we're going with today. But before we get to that, got to tell you guys about DraftKings. Can you believe we're this deep into the NFL season? We got to make every second count, boys. Uh, with DraftKings Sportsbook, you can make the most out of every game day. Bet on your favorite teams for a shot at winning big bucks. New customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting five on any matchup. Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the app now and use code KCSN. New customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just 5 bucks on the NFL. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. Please play responsibly in Connecticut. Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, must be 21 or older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. Uh, final headline. I know K-State won a road game at Texas Tech. It's not like they have been shut out on the road so far this year. But other than that, it's not gone very well. So can this team finally get over the hump in a big road game? They were right there against Mizzou and Texas. Needed to make basically one more play. Couldn't do it. Had chances to go up two scores in the fourth quarter in Columbia. Obviously had the shot at the end of the game with first and goal from the six against Texas with the game on the line. Were not able to get over the hump there. And then Oklahoma State, they just flat out laid an egg. Played a, played a horrendous game. That is a little concerning to me because I, I think this will be the toughest environment that they will play in this year. I, I do believe that. Even though Texas will have, you know, over twice as many people, this is gonna be this is gonna be raucous and rowdy. Yeah. Tech was up there because I was there. So I would say tech was up there, Oklahoma State was up there. Okay, maybe it's more, but there's like I would take the tech and OSU atmosphere over the one in Texas, to be quite honest. Um you you talk about winning on the road. They're what, one in three on the road now because they did beat Tech. I will say, I'll just ask the question. Do you think this comes down to one play? Because if so, then you should be worried because when it's come down to one play, when Kansas State's needed the play, they haven't got it this year. So I'll just leave it well, like that. I still worry. I still worry too about Chris Tennant, uh, particularly this. Well, it's like a if it's like a forty five yarder. I mean, I'd feel better than if it's a twenty five yarder. And I'm being totally honest, and that's just kind yeah. of the deal with him. 
my 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 thing is is like when the game is like when one play can win you win it for you or you know it felt because even by playing like disastrous against Oklahoma State, if they get one big play, they're right there and maybe that game goes to overtime. You have a shot, right? Missouri, you had a chance to pull away, you didn't, right? At the end of the game, I think in the fourth quarter, before that field goal even became consequential. Texas, you're in overtime, you have you have a chance to win that game. So it depends. Like, do you think this is a game that comes down to you gotta go make a play in the fourth quarter in a one score game? Because if that's the case, then you should probably feel a little worried because Kansas State's come up short every time in that situation this year. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt this is going to be K-State. Well, I shouldn't say any doubt. I feel like this is going to be the most jazzed-up atmosphere K-State will have played in, and I know some K-State fans may roll their eyes at that just given the past history against Kansas. But, look, a 6 p.m. kick against your rival, the most anticipated Sunflower Showdown on the football field in almost 30 years. John had already mentioned it's the first-ranked matchup since 1995, both teams in the playoff poll. KU believes they have a chance. They should believe they have a chance. They they have a good football team. It's uh it's going to be an electric atmosphere. There'll be a lot of K State fans there too. But it, it's going to be a tough place to play. And you know K State was good on the road last year. Can they can they get back to being good on the road? I mean they haven't been awful on the road. They've been right there in games to what you just said. Dy they just haven't made they haven't made the winning plays. Uh, now Oklahoma State like you know they were pretty awful for a large part of that game. But the Missouri game. The Texas game, and I guess you can argue they were pretty bad for a lot of the Texas game, but they were there at the end. Uh, the Missouri game, they were right there throughout the entirety of the game and just couldn't make that winning play similar to Texas at the end. So, you know, if you're if you're in that situation, your veteran guys have to step forward and make a play. And, you know, it, with K-State, like you look at the FEI ratings of Brian Fremau, he has them as the number six team in the country ahead of Texas and Oklahoma. He's got KU, I think, 55th or uh, no actually he's got KU 29 I mean that's that's a pretty darn solid ranking for KU so uh it's gonna be a good game and uh, I, I wouldn't expect any sort of blowout yeah well and to your point Cole I mean look like this we let's not make any bones about it I mean this is what the Kansas season is about this is what the Kansas season has been about this year like this they knew they had K-State coming in they knew there were heavy losses from the Big 12 championship team last year this is quite literally the Super Bowl, especially now that they've lost enough to where the Big 12 championship game is not a possibility. Um, I'm not sure how many of them were legitimately believing that throughout a lot of the year, and they did get a tough break with their schedule. I will give them that. If they could swap schedules with like Oklahoma State, um, Kansas might be in business, but they, they got a tough deal with the schedule this year. So with that out the window, I mean, this is it. Like, it, it will still be a nice season if they were to finish, uh, what, seven and five, eight and four. I guess it'd be eight and four. You know, if they lost this game and then beat Cincinnati and finished eight and four, they'd, I'm sure they'd still feel very good about that. It's a, it's a lot different than a nine-win season with a win over K-State. So, yeah, I mean, it's you're going to get everything. You will get absolutely everything from it. By the way, both, both Sunflower State School, if you if you now take a, like a after report of the schedule, got the roll end of the deal when it came to these unbalanced schedules compared to what the Oklahoma schools got. Because now look what Kansas State got. Like, if you now reassess every team, Kansas they played a tough-ass schedule too. They just got the Dodger Oklahoma. That's all. They had to go to Oklahoma State. They had to go to Texas. They have to go to Kansas. You have to go to three of the other four best teams in the league. 
Yeah, well, don't, don't even get me started about the Oklahoma State schedule thing. I mean, that was the I didn't push that argument too much, but yeah. back to well, the original discussion, they, yeah. they missed Texas and they got all four newcomers on their schedule this year. So, yeah, you know, we'll, absolutely. Absolutely. But I guess I was saying, if you look at it after the back, Kansas State got a pretty tough Big 12 schedule, too. Should mention, check the uh, the feeds. Make sure to be watching for the uh, player interview coming up this week. That'll be uh, Keenan Garber, Kansas kid, Lawrence guy. Uh, had a pick six last week, so uh, very appropriate, apropos to be the uh, the interview this week. But we've got quick hitters now, boys. Quick hitters. Uh, this is going to be the final game at the booth, as we know it. Most memorable K-State win at the booth to you. Uh, I'll throw out some possibilities for you here. There are plenty to choose from. 2019, of course, the the Who Is K-State game. Uh, Wildcats won 38-10, to and it was only 10 because Les had to get a touchdown for his son squeezed in at the end of the game, which started the run of loser coaches taking timeouts to get uh, touchdowns late in the game to pad the score against K-State when they were getting their ass kicked. Uh, 2002, 64 to nothing early in the third quarter. Uh, of course, there's a memorable shot of the uh, dejected Kansas player on the bench with 64 to nothing in the background on the scoreboard. 1994, K-State tore down the goalpost in Lawrence. Uh, K-State fans storming the field there when Bill Snyder got his first uh, win in Lawrence. 2010, a personal favorite of mine, 59 to seven. K-State won kind of out of nowhere, uh, and and I'm just going to start. That'll be that'll be my choice. Holds sentimental value for me. I was in the student section. Uh, they did not like me by the end of that game, but there weren't many of them by the end of the game. And I stole a sign that was just laying on the ground because nobody was there. Jordan Webb was the Kansas quarterback, and it was a sign with glitter. It, it, they wrote out, fear the web in glitter, and then there was like a glitter spider web. And I was, for like the last quarter and a half, I was just holding that from the front row of the uh, Kansas student section, trying to get on TV. So that, that holds a special place in my heart. Thursday night game, 59-7. to but what say you? We'll start with Cole. I'll give Derek a, Derek a little more time here. Cole, your favorite win at the booth. To, I'm actually going with 2010, John. I would go with 64 to nothing, but back then, like the KU game was kind of ho-hum, like just expected to blow KU out. The 2010 game, you were coming off the heels of 2009 where you ended the three-game losing streak against KU with Mark Mangino defeating the Wildcats and Ron Prince three consecutive years. You beat them in 09 by seven. Then KU's got Turner Gill as the head coach. It's a it's a weeknight football game. I can't remember if it was on FS1 or ESPN, what TV network had the game. But, you know, Kansas State, I, I was nervous about that game going into Lawrence, and uh, K-State just blitzed them from the start. That was the game where I think, was it Tremaine Thompson put a juke on a KU defender and just embarrassed him? So, uh, yeah, I, I would go with that 2010 game. I don't really – like, I don't – I – only been there for what three road games 17 19 and 21 and none of them are particularly memorable other than can't stay dominated so eh. i guess none stand out above the rest john uh what i will say i got pulled over in lawrence in 17 well the the 19 the 19 one i thought that was still a lot of fun because that that had a little bit of juice to it because of kansas had just what did they do they 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 beat Texas Tech. They almost beat Texas. There was a lot of buzz about who was their freaking offensive. Brent Deerman, the guy, he DM'd me. We we DM'd a little bit. Brent Deerman, he was actually kind of fun. Um, <laughs> when I made those fake 30, those 30 for 30 parody videos, Brent Deerman started DMing me about it. Um, I think I called him Brent Deer in the headlights. Um, but then, uh, you know, 38 to 38 to 10 happens. And uh, after all the less chatter and all that stuff, and Kate, I mean, there, there was a Jack Crowd. Okay, Kansas. Yeah. 
Kansas, Kansas legitimately believed that that they could win that game at the time. So that was that yeah. was pretty fun. 2019 was pretty fun. I just think that was fake juice. By the way, Brent Deerman is a head coach now, I believe. Where? I think in North Alabama. If I okay. All right. Shout out to Brent Deerman. Uh Okay. How would you power rank the running backs playing in this game? Devin Neal, DJ Giddens, Treshawn Ward, Daniel Hyshaw. How would you power rank the running backs playing in this game? Devin Neal, number one. DJ Giddens, number two. Hyshaw Ward tied at three. Oh, a tie. Okay, a cop out from DY. That's, to me, that's that's really the decision. The decision is Ward or, or High Shot. Who are you taking? All the numbers are pretty similar. I was looking at all the numbers. They they are really pretty damn similar between all. Give, give me give me Ward just because I'll be a homer and he's he's a good he's a cool dude and and he's actually probably pretty due for a big game. So I'll get you Ward three, High Shot four. Yeah, it does feel like Ward's due for a big game. He's been kind of quiet the last couple of games after he really broke out over two or three games when Avery Johnson came in at quarterback and. DJ Giddens has kind of stolen the show. Um, he did at least against um, this last weekend against Baylor. I'll, I'll rank it as Devin Neal, DJ Giddens, then Treshawn Ward, then Daniel Ishaw, but it's very close between Ishaw and Ward. Yeah, I would do the same. And actually, like, I, I mean, Devin Neal, I think, is the best running back in the game. But if you do look at the numbers, like, DJ Giddens' numbers are pretty comparable uh, to, to Neal. And, and, and he can get to 1,000 rushing yards this week if he has, like, a 160-yard game. I might take that. Sign me up for that. Um, all right, we've seen Will Howard set the K-State passing touchdowns record in Wildcat history. Feels like a pretty underappreciated quarterback based on how his career arc and trajectory has gone, but is he the most underappreciated quarterback in K-State history? Uh, who would be the most underappreciated quarterback in K-State history, Cole? Uh, I'm going to submit a couple of options here. Will Howard, Jonathan Beasley, Jake Waters, or other most underappreciated quarterback in K-State history? Something tells me you're not going to answer Jake Waters, so uh, I think we can probably eliminate him. I am. I'm trying to think here, John, because I have a great appreciation for Will Jonathan Beasley. You know, I mean, he got benched for one game against the Iowa State in '99. Uh, I'll I'll go with Will because Will has won a Big Twelve championship, and yet we were calling for you know Will to potentially be benched. Jonathan Beasley got K-State to a Big 12 championship. He didn't win a league title, although they had great seasons, won 11, I think 11 games both years where he was starting quarterback. I'll, I'll go with Will, but Jonathan Beasley is a very close second. That's what Jonathan Beasley went 22-4 and four as a starter, man. man they had 11-1, oh, 11-3. Uh, I'm, I'm going Jonathan Beasley. I think that's all like forever the answer because you just don't hear much about him, but I think it's pretty close between he and Will based on the the success if, that if you take out the COVID year, Will Howard's record as a starter is probably pretty freaking good. Not twenty two and four good though, I don't think. John but but Beasley's completion percentage was like forty percent his first year, now, right? But that was the K State offense then. I have this conversation all the time. L. Roberson had years where he completed like thirty nine percent of his passes because the Snyder offense was Run, run, option, bomb it down the field. I mean, like that was that was it. They would get the James Terry, Darnell McDonald. You get the the big play guy down the field, and then you just huck it. And that was really what they did. Bishop, I, Bishop in '97, like Bishop in '97 might have been the like second team All Big Twelve quarterback, and he completed like 38 percent of his passes um, because that's just how the offense was going at that point. So, 
uh, I'm going to say Beasley. I, DY, I know, you know, it's a little more limited for you. You have anything that you want to offer up on this one? I uh, know. I'm, I'm, I'm actually trying to see where Will's record is as a starter at, at the moment. I, I would honestly be curious to know that. So, well, while, while you're doing Oh, go ahead, DY. I can see him counting. Right I believe now. it's six, 16 and four. And that's you said that's without 2020. Without without the COVID year, so you throw in a COVID year, that's great. But 16 and four without COVID, I believe. Okay, and more so than COVID, I think it's just the fact that he was thrown into the fire as a, was a freshman. Two freshman year, yeah. and he didn't get the regular amount of practice. So people rolled their eyes when we get rid of COVID, but you really should when it comes to Will Howard. Yeah, Jonathan Beasley did not have to do the same thing. Uh, he he got some time there. I would submit too. Honorable mention, like I always think, Josh Freeman gets too much crap. Uh, Matt Miller had a really nice year uh, for K State, where they won ten games in nineteen ninety five. I would say uh, a what if quarterback might be Jesse Ertz. These things, yeah, Ertz is a good one. Yeah, yeah, and I would echo what you just said. Yeah, I, I would echo what you said. I mean, it's easy to forget Matt Miller and Brian Cavanaugh, but both of those guys, you know, kept things going in those one year runs as quarterback. Yeah, uh, Matt Miller was the quarterback in 1995 when ranked K State beat ranked Kansas 41 to seven. Kansas was the higher ranked team going into that game, and K State won 41 to seven. What's your favorite type of comma? We've got you know like the Oxford comma, the listing comma, or perhaps even the the Big Twelve comma. Uh, what is, what is your favorite type of comma, Cole? As somebody with a with a journalism degree. I don't give a sh- I don't give a shit about commas, you know. Right now, I, uh, you know, my favorite type of comma is no comma. Right now, you know what? I go with the M dash, you know, instead. Maybe the Big Twelve could practice that instead of the comma, since they don't know how to apparently place commas. So or a semicolon, yeah. you know. But the big, yeah, semicolon, yeah, you know. I'll, I'm willing, John. If you want, we can go teach the Big Twelve guys how to write. You know, free for free. I do it for free. Nice little workshop. Yeah. Make that happen. DY, your favorite comma? No comma is my favorite comma. Let's just get to run on Sultan. So I'll just like feed into the fact that I don't have a journalism degree. Try not to try not to use that too much, DY. I saw that being a criticism of you. Yeah, don't, word that. don't use the word that, that four letter word that. That's a problem. Uh, apparently, don't carpool, guys. So if you're going to Lawrence, oh, yeah. take, take separate cars. Hey, don't don't carpool. Hey, uh, hey, real quick, you know, because we haven't gone off the rails at all. Uh, Bryson, no, Ey wants to no, meet you no, at the no, James Naismith statue. No, no, James no, Naismith statue at two o'clock. Two o'clock on no, Saturday, he wants no, to meet no. you. Um, so you gotta just wanted to make that. sure that he knew that. You gotta stop giving that dude airtime, man. Not worth it. Not worth it at all, man. Lions and sheep. Um, the carpool thing was good. We gotta leave it there. I'm gonna trample. I'm gonna trample my last. We got to get Cole out of here. I'm gonna trample my last uh, quick hitter there to get to lead pipe lock of the week, which I am just melting down. I've lost two weeks in a row. Cole has won two weeks in a row, so he's just a game back with two to play. I'm five and four. Cole's four and five. And Dy got one uh, this week, so he's now two and seven. I flopped with that Kansas line. Now I would say if Jason Bean plays, good chance Kansas is covering, and I would have hit that. But you know. Whatever. Uh, Derek got Colorado to hit, and uh, Cole had the pick of the year with uh, UCF. So I, I will. Cole probably should get credit for two on that one. Um, 
you guys Thank are you. probably you guys are probably a little tired of me sticking in the Big Twelve, but I'm sticking in the Big Twelve again. And speaking of UCF, Cole, they've got to go on the road to Texas Tech. Massive come down now. Texas Tech needs this game for bowl eligibility. Yes, they have Texas next week, but this is a huge game for them to get bowl eligible. I think it'll still mean a lot to Tech. They're at home, uh, and UCF. I just I don't love UCF having to go on the road after a win like that. So I'm going to take Tech minus uh, two and a half as uh, mother, mother effer. That was mine. Mother effer. Okay, cool. You're up because I have to find a different one. I mean, you can use the same one if you want. That's okay. fine with me. DY, we don't we don't have any tiebreaker rules that have been put into place here yet. So like, we can just do whatever the hell we want. It doesn't matter. I'm gonna find a different one because I don't. That seems uh, cheap. I, I'll, I'll I'll go. I'll go. I got one. I got one, guys. I'm taking Houston. I'm taking the Cougars. <laughs> Oklahoma State. I'm picking the third straight week. I've taken a team, either Oklahoma State or I've taken them to lose. I'm taking Houston plus seven at home. Houston coming off a deflating loss to Cincinnati. And Houston, you know, Dana Holgerson, friend of Kansas State, you know, he wants to stick it to Oklahoma State. I bet Dana would have spoken up for Kansas State in that meeting. You know, so, uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'll take Houston to cover. I'll take Houston to win. I can't, I can't trust Dana Holgerson. I can't do that. I cannot in good faith do that. I'll do Florida plus 11 against Missouri. Let down from Missouri. It's a very, very comforting pick. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> well, I had to find a different one in like 10 seconds. Cool. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, what can I do? I, I've got I'll the my best pick of the year. Well, let's hope that we're all correct on the final pick, which is a prediction of the game, of course. Uh, I'm going to take K-State 30, Kansas 24. I think the key to me will be just to, don't let them score. Don't, don't let them score a non-offensive touchdown. Don't let them score a non-offensive touchdown, and I, I think you you will be okay. But the concern, obviously, is they've found a way to do that when they're winning Big 12 games. Don't turn it up. My notes are literally the same as John's, apparently. I don't know if he's got a, like a hat in my system. Kansas State 31 24. Don't turn it over. Oh, we, we all have a very similar spread. I got Kansas State 38 to 31. I think K State will find success on the ground against Kansas. Look, this is the KU defense over the last two weeks, only giving up under three yards per carry, 211 yards on 73 carries over the last two games. But the four games prior to that, they gave up 1,000, I think 85 or it was 1,025 yards on 182 carries and 5.6 yards per rush. I think K-State will have enough success on the ground. I think they'll have enough success offensively. And regardless of who's a quarterback, I do expect KU to put up points, but I think K-State wins this game 38-31. All right. We appreciate our friends at Holiday Distillery. Get your 360 vodka, your Ben Holiday bottle and bond bourbon. Uh, we also appreciate Homefield Apparel. Be watching out for their uh, Black Friday sale that's going to be coming up, 3 Mod 23 to get 15% off your first order. Uh, thank you to Nick Springer behind the scenes. Thank you to Derek Young and Cole Manbeck. Cole's got to go talk to Keenan Garber, so we are out of here. Uh, we will talk to you next week. Take care, friends. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.